Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune, covering breaking news and current events as it pertains to Bible prophecy. Loudly declaring the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. For we are wasting here, waiting for his cleansing return, because the end is where we begin. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this week's edition of the End Time Tribune. This February 17th, 2018. Let's take a few minutes to appraise the current situation in the church, shall we? David Cooper, pastor of Mountain Movers Ministry Church in Winter Haven, has been arrested for sexual battery and a victim under 12 and lewd, lascivious exhibition. Reverend Anthony Ulrich, 51, priest at Christ Church Newman Center in St. Cloud, was arrested for criminal sexual conduct in the third degree. Moving on to more news this past week, the St. Tommy Parish Church pastor, Ortho Schilling, was arrested this week for theft of more than $200,000 in social security funds. Also this week, Harry Thomas, pastor at the Come Alive New Testament Church in Medford, is arrested for sex offenses against juveniles. Pastor George Gregory, was behind the pulpit of his West Homestead Church Sunday just days after police say they found him naked in a car with another man. Also this week, Florida pastor uh, is arrested in a prostitution ring, of course. Also this week, uh, a pastor in Pasco County has been arrested for maintaining a sexual relationship with a 17-year-old for six months. He claimed that, uh, well, she was demon-possessed. And I guess this was part of the uh, pastoral... How would I put that? Therapy, I guess. That is the status of the church today. This week, ladies and gentlemen, just this week, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you all figure out eventually that the end is not where you're erased. The end is where the bride begins.
Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune. It's good to be with you tonight. Well, Clinton, how has your week fared, and what's been catching your eyes in the news this week? Well, you know, all I have to say is I hope you all are distracted, you know, watching the stock market go down 10% one week, go up to one of its biggest and greatest weeks ever, a massive school shooting. Um, I hope you're distracted. That's all I have to say about that at this point. Well, Clinton, point taken. Point is taken to hearts. Bri, how's your week been, and what's been catching your eye in the news this week, buddy? Well, it's been one of those typical weeks. As far as what's been catching my eye, it's been sort of a you would think an up and down week where it seems quiet on all fronts at one moment and then all of a sudden a raging storm hits from out of nowhere and that's literally what once again it seems like as Friday came along and then moving into today everything heated up. We've got big talks that are happening with all the top military bigwigs throughout NATO countries and the European Union and so on and so forth. And you can see the trajectory that's being set in motion for events that we've been stating are going to be happening here in the future at any given moment. And they're really beginning to ramp things up with their uh, dialogue and how would you put this? Um, thinly veiled threats? I don't know. Something along those lines, but... It's pushing towards somewhere, folks, and it seems to be pushing there maybe a little bit faster than we thought. I certainly agree with you, especially since how uh, the Russians have picked up the ball, ladies and gentlemen. They've figured out that the only way to fight mercenaries is, of course, with the mercenary force. We had the injection of the news this week that... uh, the Russians have decided that they had to uh, institute a counterpart to Blackwater, of course. That being released in the news as being the Wagner Group. So we can expect hostilities to certainly be wrapped up and ramped up beyond the veil. Because, ladies and gentlemen, I'm surprised it's taken them this long to do so, but how do you fight terrorism? Ladies and gentlemen, okay, we've uh, we have turned into a merc military. Now, our own government calls these terrorist organizations because they cross borders, they go where they want to, they operate exclusive of any governmental control. And the only way you could fight that is with a 
military merc force, and that's what the Russians have obviously had to do. They have been sent into Syria. Uh, that's where it crept into the news, because what are you going to do? Uh, you have the legitimate Syrian government saying the United States needs to get out of our country. Uh, Turkey has said that. They are our NATO allies. So our NATO allies are telling us to get out of that country where they're illegally. The Russians and, of course, the Iranians. Everybody's on the same page except us. We don't have to be on that page because we're using Merc forces, mercenaries. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you was wondering what Clinton was possibly alluding to, well, Clinton knows a whole lot more than everybody else does. Um, Clinton and Brian both know that when you gaze into the heavens and believe the Lord thy God, he's literally beating you over the head with a baseball bat come July. Because everything that I can see written in the heavens via his signs and seasons is screaming war. And it's funny. I haven't heard anybody else mention it. It's like nobody knows the wondrous sign that's going to appear in the heaven that is absolutely marvelous. Nobody has a clue. The only thing I've done is warn you all about it, that there is a sign of war in the heavens. And, and we actually utilizing isochronal eschatology, it takes you straight back to World War II. That's funny. You know, there was a ministry last year that uh, pumped up and promoted one certain celestial sign. And here a couple of weeks ago, I took a look, tried to find him. Now, he's, he's out to launch. It's too bad somebody hasn't given you the details of this sign coming up in July because it screams of war. I mean, that's what all the – what do they call them? Ah, yes, conservatives. That's what they all want, one thing's for sure. The POTUS that is presently in power, I think he'll give it to you. <laughs> so, Clinton, you have the mic. You know, I was thinking back to uh, the very first episode of End Time Tribunes that I did, and Matthew asked me a question. He was like, are you a prophet? I said, no, I'm a watchman. What does scripture say about the watchman? It takes a certain responsibility because you are, if, when you see danger coming, you are to inform everyone. If you do not, anyone dies, the blood is on your hands. That is it. Now, that is all that we are trying to do is show you what is going on, show you what is happening. And what Matthew's saying about it, screaming war, 
yeah, I'm shaking right now thinking about how to say this to you. Because what is happening, if you are not watching, if you need time to figure out what's going on, look at an episode that we did a while back with Brent. He sits there and it talks about time and how everything is coming into place. So if you need that, pay attention. Last week, someone asked, what happens if you put all this time into everything and it's not the end of the world? And I actually have to say that I've never thought that I could even hear a stupid question before, but that is a stupid question. For the sheer fact of what we have explained to you and what's going on and what is – let me calm down. The best way I can say anything is let's talk about what we know, okay? So we have this massive jump in the stock market right now. All I have to say is $171 billion in stock buybacks so far this year because of the tax plan. That's all I have to say about that. Now to get to the real important stuff, look back in 9-11, what was going on with Saudi Arabia. We had Osama bin Laden who <laughs> funded the 9-11 attacks. Saudi, Osama bin Laden comes from one of the wealthiest families in Saudi Arabia. No one talks about that. But we went after him. Instead, we also went into Iraq. The reason we went into Iraq was basically because they started selling oil in the euro. We were not going to allow that. We went into Iraq to protect our oil, to protect our dollar. Now, this is where Saudi Arabia is involved for the sheer fact that Osama bin Laden, he knew that we were funding both Iraq and Iran. We knew we were funding both sides with weapons, weapon sales, so that they would hopefully kill each other. That was what made Osama bin Laden upset with the United States. That was why he did the attack on 9-11. We know this. Why do we know this? Because the 9-11 Commission came out and said, this is part of the reason for this, the 9-11 Commission came out and said when they did an investigation of 9-11 that Saudi Arabia and Israel were involved. Now everyone's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why would Saudi Arabia and Israel be involved in anything associated to 9-11 when they're our allies? Why would they do this? We never knew. But hindsight is 2020. We look back on things and we can see what's going on. We have, through the Iraq war, basically all the assets that we were looking at for you know, the chemical weapons were moved to Syria. We know this. We, we know that for a fact. We also know that other assets were moved to Syria, as in Iranian troops. We know this. We also know that Osama, <laughs> President Obama tried to go into Syria, went to Congress to get approval, and Congress said, no, you cannot go into Syria. You cannot send American troops into Syria. So, hindsight 2020, what do we know now? We know that the United States funded ISIS, funded a group to go into Syria, and attack the Assad regime, to start a civil war in Syria that would kill millions and cause a massive refugee problem into Europe. We, we did that because that was our tactic because we needed to get Assad out of power. The reason we need to get Assad out of power is because that was the vital trade point for the one belt, one road from China. China was going to have to control that or its proxy or its friend would have to control that. Otherwise, you don't have trade that goes in the Mediterranean. We know this. What has happened in Syria since then? Just, I was making a list 
of all the countries that are gathering in Syria. And just a, a hint, just a hint, um, Armageddon is a place. Um, these countries so far, Russia, USA, Syria, Iraq, Iran, the Kurds, Turkey, France is talking about going in, Israel, Saudi Arabia, China, Egypt, Lebanon, and then throwing Hezbollah and Hamas. Just to start of the countries that are gathering in Syria right now. This is just the beginning of it, though. I mean, you look at what's going on and say, let's just take Venezuela. Venezuela, out of everything that's going on, is all we hear is they're in hyperinflation, that the people are in just drastic scenarios. They, there's no food on the shelves. People are using Bitcoin. Now I even read an article that they're selling their hair. You know, anything they can to survive. It's basically starving people. It's basically Syria. What happened in Syria? Why also the United States needed to go and take Assad? Because of the democratic union he made. And we know is backed by Russia. We also know Venezuela is backed by Russia. I mean, they do it through the banks and through money. I mean, <laughs> it's kind of stupid, but Venezuela was in need of money, and they went to the United States because they wanted to be friends with the United States and said, hey, can we borrow some money? And President Trump said, no, you can't. So Venezuela goes, hey, anyone else want to help me? And uh, guess who steps in? Russia. And they do it for exchange for half of the largest oil company over the largest oil reserve in the world. They bailed them out for half of the oil. And then what happens is nothing gets better. The country is still in chaos. Everything is still falling apart around it. And now we have talks that <laughs> the head of the U.S. Southern Command meets with the vice president of Colombia. And Venezuela is screaming at the top of their lungs that Colombia is now going to invade Venezuela. It's not like the United States has ever used proxy wars before. It's never like we actually funded someone to actually fight a war for us. You know, we, we never did that, uh, you know, South Korea. Uh, we never did that in oh, Vietnam. Uh, we never did that, uh, you know, in Iraq. We've never done that. So why would we do it in Colombia? I mean, it's not like a U.S. policy or anything, but it is. And so Venezuela is screaming right now that this is going to happen. Even the, the president of, Bol of Bolivia is like, yeah, uh, it, it pretty much looks like it. And we're strong allies with Venezuela, so we're not going to allow this to happen. But that's just one piece of it. You know, there's uh, an election coming up. April 22nd in Venezuela, there's an election. You know, it's not like Maduro is actually going to win, which he is the favorite to win right now. And everyone loves him in Venezuela. So, yeah, he's probably going to win. So, Something has to happen with that election on April 22nd. Oh, and, and by the way, February 20th, Venezuela's uh, cryptocurrency, the Petro, is going to be released, actually just kind of released. It's a, it's a private sale. So basically, if you are in the certain group of people, you can buy it. If you're not in a super group, you, know, you, you can't. You know, that's for a whole month. So basically makes it to where whoever they want to can buy the majority of this cryptocurrency, which is going to be very important to follow. And considering that Russia just bailed them out, I can't imagine who 
they're going to sell this cryptocurrency to. You know, it's not like, you know, Russia's actually pointed out anything. It's not like they've actually come out and said, yeah, we prefer Ethereum. Yes, yes, we like Bitcoin. Um, those are the only two. Those are the ones we like. And, you know, I kind of looked into Ethereum a little bit. And it's interesting because it's not just a currency. It's like a whole system. It's kind of like, uh, let me, let me, it's kind of like the Dow. Actually, it's exactly like the Dow. So basically you buy Ethereum with the U.S. dollar. So you transfer that currency to Ethereum. And then you use Ethereum to then buy all these other stocks. So you basically cash in your dollar for a new currency. <laughs> it doesn't sound like anything the banks would ever do. It's not like they've done this before every time. <laughs> it just kind of works this way. And it's, it's kind of interesting because, you know, when you look at the owner of Bitcoin, no one knows who he is. No one has a clue who this guy is. All you know is he's Asian or, you know, from China. He's the most recent speculation. You know, maybe from North Korea. We don't really know. We just know the name is Asian. That's all we know. And the owner of Ethereum? Oh, that's just a gentleman named Vitalik. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I don't speak Swiss. But uh, Vitalik Butanarian, who is Swiss. You know, and everyone knows about the Swiss banks and, and how, you know, they made a big move earlier, you know, trying to pull out of the EU. <laughs> so basically the banks are set up. You have this world DAO that's set up, and you have the cryptocurrency being established in Venezuela right now. Just right now. That's just one place to look. Uh, if you look at another place, I mean, China, it's you know, not like China owns the United States or anything. It's not like they own all of our debt and the majority of our land and the majority of our companies or anything like that. It's, it's, that's not true. I mean, none of the conspiracy theorists will sell, tell you that, but the economists will. You know, they'll they'll gladly tell you that. You know, that's that's the truth. I mean, it's, it's to the point that the United States is very close to following what's going on with Greece. You know, Greece when they got in trouble with the banks, what did they do? They they sold everything, all of their major assets to pay off the banks. That is what they did. It's not like the United States is talking about selling, you know, something like Reagan Airport. Um, it's, it's not like they're truly doing that, but that's just, that's just on the news, um, everywhere, but that's actually what they're talking about to fund this new infrastructure bill, you know, sell that to the Chinese, but you know, that's why we did the tax plan so that these companies could spend all this money to buy us assets as we go out of business. I mean, that's why we hired Donald Trump to run the United States is because, He's a bankruptcy businessman that does a lot of cool stuff when companies go bankrupt. I mean, that's why we got him in. So that's why we hired him, you know. But uh, the, the, the truth of the matter is, is yeah, to, to run a business that's going bankrupt, you liquidate your assets. Um, what, your largest one is, is personnel. You know, so we're talking about gutting the government personnel. So that's, that's the first thing you do. The next thing is you sell your assets. You know, Reagan Airport's one of those. Um, Bears Ears National Park is another one. You know, the, you know the Alaskan Reserve. These are just things that that we have already done or about ready to do. You know, it's not like we tapped into our oil supply and actually got to where we are the largest oil producer in the United, in the world right now. The United States is, but you know that's just because Saudi Arabia wants to get out of their oil business. They don't like all the war. 
they, they prefer to have someone else deal with this. And they really don't want to run the currency because it's a pain. And that's what they do is they have to buy everything from the United States to run our currency. Uh, because if they trade, you know, to say the, the yuan, um, then the yuan would be the main currency that the whole world uses. So they're kind of tied to the U.S. And if they don't like the U.S., they don't really have to play ball, you know, because they can talk to someone else like China. I mean, that's just what's happening. I mean, the crown prince of, of China, you know, I mean, he, he's – or crown prince of Saudi Arabia. Sorry about that, that Freudian slip. Um, but, uh, you know, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia is just making a partnership with China. No big deal. You know, they, they just want to help them out with their One Belt, One Road initiative. And, you know, the, the China is kind of worried about Saudi Arabia because they don't know how they're going to act because they are t- so tied with the United States. And they're worried about that alliance. Um, but, but what they're saying is that if Saudi Arabia wants to stay with the United States, then they're just going to go to Qatar and Iran and join forces with them. That's, or, I mean, do banking with them. That's what I meant. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but that's just, that's just going on with Saudi Arabia and China in that area there. And it's just coming out that U.S. policymakers um, realize that China became the largest trade partner for Saudi Arabia in 2010. And they were worried about, and they continue to be worried about, Saudi Arabia being used as a pawn, you know, as the, the efforts of the U.S. hegemony over global financial markets erodes. So here we have, and this happened August 24th, Saudi Arabia planned to partially cover its budget deficit in Chinese yuan to reduce its financial dependency on the U.S. dollar. So that already happened on August 24th. This is from The Diplomat, if you want to read it. Um, it goes on saying, you know, that they could cause other oil exporting countries, you know, pretty much OPEC, to abandon the U.S. dollar in favor of the petro you want. This is happening. And so what was the United States doing to make Saudi Arabia want to do business with the United States and stay friends with the United States? What are we doing? We're selling them weapons. Yeah, that's that's what our plan is, is, is we're going to up weapon sales because that's the only thing Saudi Arabia wants to buy from us is weapons, so we sell them weapons. So Saudi Arabia has to talk into China, want to buy weapons from China. And so Saudi Arabia goes to the United States and says, what are you going to do for me? And the United States says, uh, how about we sell you the special weapons, the ones that we don't sell anyone else, we'll sell to you. That's what we did. That's our strategy to induce Saudi Arabia to be friends with the United States, to protect our currency because they run our currency. Because our plan is we're going to sell them the, the really special weapons. That's what we did. <laughs> and what else do we know about Saudi Arabia? Well, they just appointed a new crown prince who rose through the ranks incredibly fast through the Saudi government um, as soon as he became the head of the Saudi Arabian government, he then goes and fires a bunch of people, and he goes through and he raids everyone's pockets to the point of $100 million out of his entire family. $100 billion. Let me correct myself. So he raided his entire family for $100 billion. But he's making friends with Israel, and he's making friends with India. 
I mean, we, we had a new flight that came from Saudi Arabia to Israel, first time ever. You know, the Indian leader just visited Saudi Arabia and Israel, first time ever. So friends are being made here. And so what was going on with Saudi Arabia that's, I mean, we know their oil. So what's, what's so big about their oil? Well, they have this company called Armerco. It's their oil company, all of it, in one company, that's set to make an IPO. And they plan on doing this. Oh, they plan on announcing something very, very big and very transparent on Wednesday. They, they, they do. So Wednesday, so like three days from that Wednesday, that's when they announce this. And uh, this IPO, I assume they're going to do something kind of like what they're doing in Venezuela, you know, make it to where it's private and has to be bought on a certain platform. I'm pretty sure that's what's going to be done. Well, have they made any, like, plays to show which direction they may go? Well, this is just from Bloomsburg. Um, you know, the Russia's largest independent driller, which is Eurasia Drilling Company, uh, just signed a $1 billion energy fund with the same company. And, oh, wait, <laughs> Uh, they'll close on this in three months. Yeah. So this company, just by the amount of the sale that they plan on doing, which is 5% of this company, they're going to create $2 trillion with 5% of this company. And it's going to be sold to ta-da, Russia and China. That is same article. Uh, Russia banks and a joint Russia-China investment fund are eager to participate in Saudi Americo initial public offering. The article all it talks about is how Russia and China is going to buy it. All of it. Because I'm sure they're going to do the same private fund they did with Venezuela. So that's China. Then you look at like, Ukraine. Another front that we have going on. Russia, you know, what we know about Ukraine is Russia went into Crimea took over a bunch of land, backed out, left, you know, the people to take, you know, take it over still. And that's where it's left. It's kind of like a imaginary battlefield that everyone forgot about. I mean, that's pretty much what it is. But what's been happening is the United States and NATO have been just building up weapons and troops and just, you know, the same mistake that Hitler made, basically. Same thing. Go into Russia in the winter and your troops die. Same mistake. But that's what we're doing because we're – we don't study anything. We don't study history. It's, that's what it comes down to. So we are building up our weapons to do exactly what happened in World War II. Well, let's look at Turkey. Okay, Turkey is a NATO ally. They really want to be part of the EU, and they pressure the EU, and the EU is like, no, you're Muslim. We're not going to let you in. You can't get in. They're like, no, seriously, we don't necessarily like these guys. We'd like to become part of the EU. And the EU said no. And then we try to kill him. Uh, you know, we try to kill the president of Turkey. And what I mean by we is the United States try to kill the president of Turkey. And so all of a sudden he doesn't want to be part of the EU anymore. He doesn't really care to be part of NATO anymore, which is he, he's a member of. And instead he turns into Syria. He turns into a war field where the entire armies of the world are gathering. And he turns against the Kurds, you know, the, as Brian's pointed out, the Assyrian. So 
not like that's important or anything. Not like Turkey's really going to make a big deal. But then, you know, we, we look at the fuse. We look at where it's all going to start. And it's interesting that on the Olympics started on February 9th. You know, the, the same day that there was a sign in heaven that had, you know, the faithful witness and uh, uh, Mars, you know, the, the planet of, of war. Um, inside the 13th zodiac sign of the great restrainers, just the same day, no coincidence whatsoever, you know, and everyone is watching the Olympics going, wow, this is amazing. There's no war. You know, it's amazing. There's no war as everyone gathers, everyone gathers in the South China Sea. You know, we talked about military moves being made in Colombia. Then we have the same thing. And this is the newly appointed, Navy Admiral, Admiral, um, that is going to be the U.S. ambassador to Australia. And he comes out to Congress and he says, um, yeah, you know, we, uh, we really need to do something about uh, what's going on in the South China Sea um, because if we don't, um, something big is going to happen. And uh, just so you know, Australia is going to need to uphold the international rules-based system in the Asia-Pacific. So the U.S. ambassador to Australia just went to Congress in Australia and told them that Australia is responsible for holding China out of the South, you know, South China Sea. I mean, the international courts have already done what they could, which is in 2016, uh, the, the permanent court of arbitration in The Hague uh, sided with the Philippines, saying that China had no legal basis or claims in the South China Sea. So they've already gone through the court system. Nothing happened, so they're about ready to go out it there. So Taiwan's one fuse. The other, we're watching it right now. We're watching the Olympics. We're watching what's going on. We have the neurovirus that has been released in the Olympics. We, we have massive people that are already sick from this. We also know that North Korea has missiles. Iran just showed their missiles. This is about ready to go down. That's it's the best that I can say. And if you need a sign, as Matthew keeps alluding to, well, just look up. It's right there. It's going to be there. If you don't know what's going on, then you better watch. As Matthew, I'm going to hand this back to you, but this is this is getting real, guys. This is getting serious. And if you can't see what I just explained to you, then I don't think you will see. I'll talk back to you, Matthew. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you know, let me talk about this. I've, I've mentioned it several times, the importance of this sign. It's the sign of the capricious sons. Was anybody watching that sign this week? Because it's important. It's that sign that represents Primus Resurrectorit. And it's important. And on the 15th, there was a partial solar eclipse that happened in the sign of the capricious suns that was seen over 
Well, Argentina, for one. Now, the things that caught my eye this week in Argentina was the simple fact that their soybeans are skyrocketing due to, uh, due to drought. But this also made big news down in Argentina that they are extremely afraid of civil unrest because the government's getting ready to, to uh, rescind the laws concerning open pit mining. So I'm just going to read you this one statement here concerning this law. Everybody's getting ready to jump on it. And no, I'm no investment advisor, but I shall read it. Allowing the open pit mining in the southern province of Chobut would let Pan-American Silver's one billion Navidad project, the world's largest undeveloped silver deposit, to finally go ahead. Also, the lithium triangle region in Argentina would explode uh, because it is the home to a considerable number of salt lakes, which they call salars. Now, what this means is is that uh, quite a lot of companies are getting ready to jump all over this, uh, most notably… Uh, some major strategic Asian investors because it is the perfect place for lithium exploration, these open mine pits. Uh, that includes lithium carbonate and lithium hydroxide. Now, why the civil unrest? Well, because it kills people because they well, they use cyanide in the strip mining process that kills people. But anyway, you'll take note their their soybean prices are skyrocketing because of massive drought. But this is all in play down in Argentina. Now, I know this is hard for you to believe, but I know that all of you remember uh, about the sub that went missing. Well, it's pretty important, ladies and gentlemen, because that sub has come back into the news because they're offering $5 million reward in U.S. dollars for anyone that leads to the discovery of that missing Argentine submarine that sank three months ago off the Atlantic coast. You see, ladies and gentlemen, you just got to know where to look. I also know this, that partial eclipse went over Antarctica, and we have strange news coming out. Uh, it was released uh, off the Ross Ice Shelf uh, in National Geographic this week, just yesterday, as a matter of fact, that the uh, Ross Ice Shelf bore in Antarctica reveals freezing ice not melting. And they surmise that more research needs to be done because that kind of don't make sense with what they thought. Something is awry. And I would say that's kind of 
an understatement because, you know, ladies and gentlemen, why would China be in the business of telling uh, just this week the Chinese government come out and, and told the Chinese people that if you go to Antarctica, you don't hunt, you don't feed the penguins. A list of very strange rules for Chinese tourists to Antarctica. Ladies and gentlemen. I've already talked about some weather chaos news, but some things are just off the charts. Let's talk about Reneo de Gisero getting – this is off the charts. They got a month of rain in 60 minutes. It's, it's off the chart. Uh, this week – we had a mud volcano that had not erupted for 23 years just start going haywire. We've had intense earthquakes swarms in several different localities across the planet. I mean, we've had some... Just some really off-the-chart things happening. You know, over on the Big Wobble, he released something, of course, Gary is always, uh, this is one of his pet peeve types of things, but it's animal life. This week he did some research try to tackle this topic and he discovered that by 2020 two-thirds of all wildlife in the world will be dead unprecedented death of millions of tons of marine life around the world is increasing it's just off the charts this uh, statistic comes from the living planet index it says the number of wild animals living on Earth is set to fall by two-thirds by 2020, according to a new report, part of a mass extinction that is destroying the natural world upon which humanity depends, and at the current rate, all species will be totally gone before 2050. You know, here's a snippet of the carnage that's gone around the world in the last few days. Uh, more than two dozen pilot whales died after they uh, hit the coast in Cape Verdon. Ladies and gentlemen, the beach is just full of an entire pack of these whales. Wednesday, it was reported that there were more mysterious deaths of pelicans, turtles, and fishes... And they had no idea why this was going on in Sydney, Australia. Something is seriously wrong. Fifty-four dolphins were found in the Bay of Lopez, Baja, California. 
once again, an entire pack or school. The entire pack of dolphins. Also, in Mexico, 11 dolphins were found. Kempco reported 160 tons of tilapia fish were scattered in and around the Manhunjul Lake in Indonesia. They checked the water and once again, yes, what I've been screaming for a couple of years now, the findings were conclusive. The fish died because the water had been completely depleted of oxygen. You know, ladies and gentlemen, I'm aware that most of you don't understand chemical processes. But oxygen saturation is very important. And what's being described scientifically in this report that I looked at, it described that the earth was wearing out like a rag. In Legonos Lobos, Buenos Aires, Argentina, a lack of rain throughout uh, the province of Buenos Aires brought the high summer temperatures, which has caused a shocking amount of fish to die along the banks of the lagoon. That is an understatement. We're talking thousands of fish were found. In a 10 kilometer south of the town of El Fortin, it was, well, you'd have to just look at it and guess what. Those officials concluded the same thing. Lack of oxygen in the water had killed the fish. Okay. We've had 35 manatees die in Florida, which is five times as many as last January, according to the Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission. You know, ladies and gentlemen, we got problems, and and the problems that we face are not little or insignificant. They are real. The Lord your God told you that in the end times, the earth would wear out like an old garment, and it's amazing to me. How you don't know this, even though the only reason why you would be listening to the End Time Tribune is because you purport to be a student of Bible prophecy. You know, I shared the news of quite a lot of shepherds this week that were arrested. And I assure you, I didn't cover them all. I got enough to just get your attention. But I know, I'm well aware that the Olympics are considered important. You know, ladies and gentlemen, somebody needs to start a serious inquiry and documentation 
of these pastors that's being arrested on a weekly basis. Tonight, my youngest for a break is going to rickle unto us those that will ascend Mount Zion. You're listening to the End Time Tribune. The Book of Obadiah The Visions of Obadiah Thus says the Lord concerning Edom, We have heard a report from the Lord, and the messenger has been sent among the nations, saying, Arise, let us rise up against her for battle. Behold, I will make you small among the nations, and you shall be greatly despised. The pride of your heart has deceived you, and you who dwell in the clefts of the rock, whose inhabitants is high, you who say in your heart, Who will bring me down to the ground? Though you ascend as high as the eagle, and though you set your nest among the stars, from there I will bring you down, says the Lord. If thieves had come to you, if robbers by night, oh, how you will be cut off. Would they have not stolen till they had enough? If grape gatherers had come to you, would they have not left some gleaning? Oh, how Esau shall be searched out, how his hidden treasures shall be sought after. All the men in the confederacy shall force you to the border, and the men at peace with you shall deceive you and prevail against you. Those who eat your bread shall lay a trap for you. No one is aware of it. Will I not in that day, says the Lord, even destroy the wise men from Edom and understanding from the mountains of Esau? Then your mighty men, O Taman, shall be dismayed to the end that every one from the mountains of Esau may be cut off by slaughter. For violence against your brother Jacob shall cover you, and you shall be cut off forever. In the day that you stood on the other side, in the day that strangers carried captive his forces, or when fortunes entered his gate, and cast lots for Jerusalem. Even you were as one of them. But you should not have gazed on that day of your brother in the day of his captivity, nor should you have rejoiced over the children of Judah in the day of their destruction, nor should you have spoken proudly in their day of distress. You should not have entered the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Indeed, you should not have gazed on their affliction in the day of their calamity, nor laid hands on their substance in the day of their calamity. You should not have stood at the crossroads to cut off those among them who escaped, nor should you have delivered up among them who remained in the day of distress. For the day of the Lord upon all the nations is near. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your appraisal shall return upon your own head. For as you drink on my holy mountain, so shall the nations drink continually. Yes, they shall drink and swallow, and they shall be as though they have never been. But on Mount Zion there shall be deliverance, and there shall be holiness, and the house of Jacob shall possess their possession, 
and the house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame. But the house of Esau shall be stubble, and they shall kindle them and devour them, and no survival shall remain in the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken. The south shall possess the mountains of Esau, and the lowland shall possess Philistia, and they shall possess the fields of Ephraim and the fields of Samaria. Benjamin shall possess Gilead, and the captives of the hosts of the children of Israel shall possess the land of the Canaanites, as far as Zarephath. The captives of Jerusalem who are in Sephard shall possess the cities of the south. The saviors shall come to the Mount Zion to judge the mountains of Esau, and the kingdom shall be the Lord. Revelation 14 Then I looked, and behold, a lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven, like the voice of many waters, and like the voice of loud thunder. And I heard the sound of harpists playing their harps. They sang as it were a new song before the throne, for the four living creatures, the elders. And no one could learn that song except the hundred and forty-four thousand who were redeemed from the earth. These are the ones who were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. They are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. These were redeemed from among men, being first fruits to God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no deceit, for they were without fault before the throne of God. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth and the sea and the springs of water. And another angel followed, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she has made all nations drink of wine in the wrath of her fornication. Then a third angel followed him, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone to the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night, who worship the beast in his image, and whoever receives the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints, and here are those who kept the commandments of the God in the faith of Jesus. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Write, blessed are the dead who died in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works follow them.
Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the End Time Tribune. I am your host, Matthew Miller. I do hope you have enjoyed the program. Today has been a pretty busy day for me today. I spent the better part, well, I think it was about five hours straight. I spent going from phone call to phone call answering the rentals of the Lord. had a good time today. Helped a lot of people. And that's when I'm good for something, and I hope you all know that, that it, it it's not a burden to me. I spoke with people in New Zealand today, Australia, spoke with people uh, in the British Isles, just had a good time, talking about the word of the Lord, our God, good stuff. Got into one heated conversation, of course it wasn't heated on my end. But the uh, the minister was really upset when he realized what the Bible actually said, and he had been speaking all this time against it. And that can be pretty emotional, and I want to let him know that uh, his apologies are accepted, and it's, it's no big deal. I didn't take it personal. I, I understand when you have years invested into a particular subject that you have been trying to teach to your parishioners. And all of a sudden, everything that uh, you had trusted in, all those resources, were lying to you. That's, that's, that's very upsetting. And uh, I just wanted to make sure that everybody knew that I talked with today that... Uh, it's it's all right to to get upset, and it's all right to uh, ask questions. You know, the whole reason why the Lord our God riddled us when he was here was due to the Psalm of Asaph. Psalm 78. Please read it. No one understand in your heart? There... That's where the Lord Jesus Christ got his teaching criteria from, was Psalm 78. It's okay. It's all right. You need to learn to put your trust in the Word of God and not commentaries or studies or universities or... Uh, Theological curriculum. And I understand when you think in your minds that you have your license, you have your degree from a particular institution. But ladies and gentlemen, they do not give you a credibility. They don't. I understand that Greek and Hebrew is hard. I understand it a thousandfold more than you do. I mean, if you can even imagine <laughs> being in elementary school trying to contend with Hebrew and Greek. I, I know exactly. I mean, it came up today several individual words like... Uh, <laughs> F.E., as mentioned in the Septuagint, 
Why is it there? It's only mentioned there. Well, of course it is. But I'm just relaying to you that, of course, it's difficult. But it should be inscribed upon your heart, whether you understand it or not. Well, Brian, it is time for your news diatribe. Uh, You have the mic. Well, I had uh, planned to start things a little differently this week, but, well, things had to be redirected. And I guess the irony of this is this is the first news story that I caught right after getting off air Last Saturday, and I think at this point in time, it needs to be addressed. And here's the title. Released uh, at the end of January. I cannot see that date because my eyes are, well, folks, I'm getting older. That's what reading glasses are for. New evidence shows might of Pharaoh Ramses is fake news. Now, wait a minute. What? But I thought fake news was a new phenomenon. Folks, hit the rewind button. Go back quite a few episodes. I brought this up many times in the past. What they're pointing out here is essentially that Ramses was using propaganda, giving facts that were completely exaggerated or misleading, which was no different than Darius the Great's Bison inscription. Let me repeat that again. Fake news. Okay, cross that out. Get a little marker. Erase it. Get rid of it. Block it out. Now put in propaganda. Don't people understand the difference between the two? Or let's talk about bias. You know, this is another problem we have in this day and age is people only want to listen to things that align with what their beliefs are, even if it's completely and absolutely contradictory to the facts on hand. This is happening on a continual basis. And I don't care what favorite little news commentator or propaganda commentator or this, that, or the other thing that you listen to, you had better get out there and check every one of these little facts that they're stating meticulously before you run around and let it come right back out of your mouth again within an argument or within something you're stating blindly. This is becoming a huge ordeal and issue across the board. Maybe to take things a little bit um, more forward with this, I would highly advise folks in the United States, especially that you learn which news organizations are being used as mouthpieces, be it for the intelligence communities. There's many of your major publications that it is common knowledge that they are owned by either the CIA or whomever within the intelligence communities. But on top of that, I would strongly advise that if you're going to talk about world politics, geopolitics at this point in time, you might want to start reading books from people that were working on the front lines within these things, watching documentaries that have actual footage of things coming out of people's mouths as 
certain things were happening, be it they're being interviewed, be it talks between very diplomats, or even taking it as far as the speeches that have been taking place on all the big podiums as massive things happen around the world. Because then all of a sudden you have something to work with. And that's going to become important with when you think about what's happening here on multiple fronts now within Syria, for instance. Oh, Syria is going to keep coming back round and round and round we will go. Multiple times in these last couple of weeks, we've had between Tillerson and McMaster stating that there's evidence of Syria using chemical weapons. But if you pay attention, for instance, like the Reuters article points out, even though they said we have no physical evidence on the ground. Well, guess what? Everybody, I know how a lot of people ran around and thought Marcone was such a great guy. He was going to be a wonderful leader. Well, he's setting off a lot of alarms. France is even reporting that his um, rating is now below 50% because of domestic economic issues. Well, he's getting a little on the scary side, and I guess the photo that was done up of somebody putting him in a Napoleon costume on a horse really should catch your attention. Last two weeks alone, there's been multiple stories that have been released that are really starting to catch my attention. One of them was an absolute flat-out warning from France giving weapons to Saudi Arabia in the midst of the war crimes that are being investigated concerning Yemen. But never mind the fact that, folks, it's America that is guiding the strikes from the Saudi Arabians onto Yemen against the Houthi forces. So, and this is common knowledge all over the place in the news. So, yet they warn France about it, but, you know, they just ignore America and their role within the Yemen crisis. And, yes, it's beyond a crisis, folks. The humanitarian disaster that is happening there is off the charts. The cholera reports and everything else, not to even mention the amount of civilian casualties on a continual basis as they completely landlock things down put in embargo so they can't even bring aid in there. They can't bring in food. We have famine going on and everything else. That was one little thing. On top of it, though, Marcone made a comment this week about if they see any use of chemical weapons in Syria, they will immediately launch attacks. Five seconds later, he goes, but we have no evidence this has happened. Don't you love how they include that little tiny tidbit somewhere in the midst of the article? Because most people will maybe look at the headline or look at maybe the first paragraph and not catch the important little tidbits. That's what we have happening here. But see, this is where things get to be even more entertaining. Because in the last couple of years that um, this infamous uh, White Helmets uh, documentary, docudrama, whatever you may call it, I didn't watch it, won all kinds of awards, but then it turns out that you find out, guess what? Well, the White Helmets, loosely connected to terror organizations, and it's a complete propaganda front. It has been from the get-go. I have known about this for ages. Well, if you watch some of the other news reporting, especially out of our right-wing neocon propaganda sources, they're going to quote from the White Helmets on a continual basis, even though it is known that they are a front for a terror organization. And that's what they're trying to use for their evidence. But this is a common tactic 
of the United States and Britain, especially to falsify these sorts of um, pieces of evidence? Or has everybody forgotten about weapons of mass destruction in Iraq? But let's hit it backwards. You know, it's rather eye-opening when you see discussions between top diplomats from Britain and the United States in the room with the main diplomat in Iran during the nuclear talks that brought around the uh, infamous uh, nuclear peace treaty that we have going on. That, Mind you, it's already stated that Trump plans on breaking this the next time coming up around the corner. But when you see with your own eyes that Iranian diplomat sit down with the British and the American and go, gee, guys, um, you know, you're, you're coming against us saying we have chemical weapons and nuclear weapons. Um, or have you forgotten the fact that you supplied Iraq with chemical weapons to attack during the Iraq-Iran wars? Never mind the fact that on top of it, all the Kurds that were exterminated with those chemical weapons as well. And the British diplomats, the words that came out of his mouth were enough to shock you if they weren't even rather chilling because he didn't even bother to deny it. He goes, well, I guess we have a few problems here, don't we? And then he chuckles. That's what's been happening in Syria. We have had countless reports that have gone under the radar that they have found the nuclear they have found the chemical weapon stashes that are sitting inside of Syria that they have been used against the anti by the anti-Assad forces terror organizations that have been supplied by Britain and the United States. Um, is anybody having flashbacks? Did I not just bring up the Iran Iraq situation? I mean, folks, do you realize how many American soldiers went in there during the first Gulf War? that actually had grave health consequences because of those chemical weapons that were given to them by Western entities. We're seeing the same cyclical pattern repeating itself here, folks. They have chemical weapons. Let's attack. They have chemical weapons. Let's attack. Does anybody understand what happened in Libya, for instance, with Gaddafi when they accused him of having chemical weapons? They go in there and they find out that, well, it was a bunch of rotted mustard gas from World War One. There was nothing even there in the first place. But that was the whole rhetoric that they used to bring accusations against Libya earlier on in the multi-revolving and evolving Libyan crisis over the years. That's just point one. And the Syrian situation is getting very serious at this point. Finally, an article was released here in the last, uh, I believe it was last 24 hours that pointed out that the infamous uh, fight for supremacy is definitely playing out now, and the crisis in Syria is actually now beginning to escalate and explode. Yet everybody else is going to try to tell you that it's winding down, when it's quite the contrary. Now, of course, we've had Turkey has come in to start attacking the Kurds there. We've had the situation 
with Afrin and multiple fronts. But on top of it, within this situation, we've got the situation with Russia, with Israel coming in and striking these targets last week and losing an F-16, which is now beginning to make people wonder if Syria has gotten its hand on weapons that are beyond the technology that they thought they had in their possession because this specific F-16 that the Israelis were using was an electronic warfare class airplane. And what that means is basically that missiles should not even be able to get a lock onto it. And when you go back through the barrage of missiles, it was a mega barrage that hit this plane. There was no warning whatsoever that they were locked onto at all. So as all that heated up last weekend, Netanyahu obviously got the support of America, but then lo and behold, him and Putin were on the phone immediately back and forth and back and forth. Putin let him know, look, man, we're going to be setting up our anti-aircraft missile systems. You better knock it off. You're destabilizing this entire situation, which we are trying to calm down and bring to an end. You're coming in constantly and hitting one target after another, after another, after another, which has been documented for how long? You know, usually they never comment on any of these things, but now it's coming out in the open what they've been doing for quite some time here. They're stating it publicly, and it really kind of comes down to the fact that last week they got their hands caught in the cookie jar as they scrambled those fighters in to Syria after a drone up there on the northern border, which is a standard atypical Syrian protocol, was shot down. And yet they state it was Iranian. I had suspicions last week, and as more facts unfold, this is what we're dealing with here. On top of it, we had the reported drone strikes that were happening to Russian military installments there in Syria. Now, what was interesting about this is on the outside, these drones looked like they were basically cobbled together um, garbage that had no technology whatsoever, but that was a complete facade. As they ripped these drones apart, you find out, guess what? Well, they're very highly technologically advanced, heavy-duty GPS systems, all kinds of advanced electronics. Who gave them to them? Whoever was launching these attacks with these drones is not known. But they were given to them by someone. Turkey and the United States talks back and forth, back and forth, back and forth this week as Tillerson was on his Middle East uh, visitations through multiple different countries. And, you know, it's the atypical thing that goes on with Turkey. One minute, everything's fine. It sounds like, oh, we've worked everything up. Five minutes later, everything's not fine. This keeps going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Turkey's not, that situation is not going to settle down anytime soon. On top of it, we have Cyprus, a.k.a. Kittim. Coming back into the front lines in the news, if people don't understand this, Turkey 
essentially came in and annexed part of Cyprus years upon years ago, and there's been fighting nonstop about this in the UN, NATO, and on down the line. But to make matters even more fun, they're threatening Greece. People think that a war could break out between the two of them. Because of the fact that, well, Greece refused to return people that had been implicated within the Gulen coup. That just keeps going round and round and round and round. I'm warned about his nationalist tendencies, or as they've been calling it in multiple articles now, his neo-Ottoman tendencies, which would be the proper terminology. And if you look, he has set up military bases in a lot of places that the old Ottoman Empire had military bases. This stuff's all happening behind the scenes. Most people will not pay attention to it, or it's something to look at and just kind of stick in the back of their hat. It's important. It's very important. And I don't know how many times I've said to keep an eye on Turkey. This is just a smidgen of the things going on in the Middle East. And, you know, it's as I said, you would have thought things were kind of quiet this week. Oh, boy. Then came the end of the week. But, you know, this does need to be mentioned. And I'm not going to just skate around the circumstance because it's gotten to the stage where, once again, this has come into the forefront with things that have been happening here in the United States. And yes, it has blocked out much of the news within the United States, but of course the infamous Russian scandal has come into the equation again as well. Which, yeah, look into the facts of that one. It's enough to make you scratch your head again. It's posturing, folks. I've warned about this, I don't know how many months ago. This is posturing towards Russia. If you look at the defense strategy initiative that was set forward For the new national defense policy, they named both Russia and China as being top global threats to America financially. You have to understand these things when you see them happening. Now, to take this backwards, though, once again we had a major shooting take place in the United States. It's just been happening nonstop here. How many weeks straight do we keep seeing the same thread over and over and over again with a person showing up somewhere with an AR-15 and killing multiple people over and over and over again. And yet we seem to see another thread that keeps revolving around this as well. The shooter that happened here with the school earlier in this week, it first came out that a white supremacist militia claimed he was one of theirs. Then it turned out that that was not supposedly true. But then as they dig more, well, they find out this guy was caught in all sorts of nationalism, white supremacy, and on down the line. Now, how much taxpayer dollars are being spent on immigration reform, building a wall, keeping out refugees from Muslim countries, immigrants, 
putting bans on nations, and yet nobody wants to talk about the fact that the worst threat to the people on our soil right now is twofold. Why is it twofold? First off, you've got people walking around, white people. I'm sorry, I have to point this out. Multiple times, AR-15s mowing down large numbers of people. Then we have the responses out of the right that are just an absolute joke at this stage. It is literally ridiculous. Every time it happens, they say the same thing. You're in our thoughts and prayers. Folks, have we forgotten about actions? You know, to sit there and say the same thing over and over and over again and to continue to let it happen and do nothing about it is insanity. We've had all these politicians over the years. I mean, I've I've talked to so many people around here in the crusader camps. Yeah, crusaders. We're going back to that again because it's all tied hand in hand. I'll ask them, well, why, why do you support this person? Well, they're against abortion. So let me get this straight. You can be pro-life and you're pro. Do you not see a contradiction here? Yeah, it just continues and continues and continues. It's gotten insane, folks. And I've gotten tired of it. I have tons of friends overseas in different places where they do not have guns. They're not allowed to have them in their possession whatsoever. And you ask them, what is their murder rate? And they'll chuckle and they'll say, oh, we have like one to three at the most every few years, like somebody stabs somebody with a butter knife. I'm not joking. Start talking to people in different nations that don't have the ridiculous things going on with the amount of weapons that are here. And I really don't care what your thoughts on this are. It's gotten to the point where this is insane. Tax dollars are being spent at a monumental rate on immigration reform, on keeping out different Muslims to Muslim refugees bans on different nations when how many of those attacks have we had since September 11th compared to the amount of mass shootings we've had perpetrated by people on our own soil using assault rifles. Do the math, get back to me, and explain to me how this makes sense. Now that that's out of the way, We've had some rather peculiar stories pop up on the horizon that usually I wouldn't pay attention to, but something told me to take a look. Little headline that popped up in Reuters yesterday, and I made sure that I kept this in the back of my head that when I got to the computer, I was going to double check this. Maldives seeks foreign help to investigate arrested judges' wealth, states an envoy. Going hand in hand with this, Ethiopia's prime minister stepped down in its place. They put in a six-month state of emergency. It caught everybody's eyes immediately going, this cannot be good. So what do these two things have in common? Okay, let's see here. Maldives signs 
to cooperate with China's new Silk Road, December 8, 2017. Ethiopia signs bilateral agreements with China as Belt Road takes shape, July 4, 2017. Why did I know to look there immediately? It gets old, folks. Here's another article concerning Maldives. India loses out the Maldives to China. India has been coming up quite a bit here in this last week. It's been uh, a major escalation of fighting between the Pakistanis and the India on their border. And things are getting very heated. It's a nice little video clip that came out yesterday. that explains everything you need to know in about a minute and a half. They're getting concerned at this point that something may break out between India and Pakistan here very soon. Both nuclear powers, folks, this would not be good if this takes place. But on top of it, what else did we have happen? Let me get... All right, I did not pull that article up yet. And we'll come back to that in a moment here. Netanyahu. It's getting more interesting by the minute. Police have filed the indictment charges against Netanyahu in the Graf case. Multiple counts of varied acts, basically, that have been all over the news nonstop. Now, this is possibly going to cause trouble again. Same time, the following for the Likud party in Israel is pretty high and... These things seem to hit and miss. What will happen with it, nobody knows. But at the same time, beginning of the week, there was discussion about the fact that a bill was being discussed with the United States about the annexation of areas within the West Bank. The United States denied those claims. There's a bill that they've been working on. It's coming up a few different times here throughout the weeks of them basically annexing these spots within the West Bank. Multiple months ago, I had warned about this, folks. Why? Prophecy states this is going to happen. It goes hand in hand with this. As of yesterday, we had multiple attacks from the Gaza Strip. I believe it was two IDF officers were killed when a multiple bombs went off. Then on top of it, Israel launched multiple attacks on the Gaza Strip. We have multiple groups operating within the Gaza Strip. Now they've named a third, which I've seen mentioned up here and there and here and there. But no matter what, they state that Hamas is always basically the top dog there, and everything has to go through them. So irregardless, all blame goes on Hamas's shoulders. They also knocked out more tunnel systems because if people don't know this, the Hamas have been building intricate tunnel systems that go up into spots in Israel. They've destroyed multiples of these. They even had tunnels that were going from there over into the Sinai. Sinai is heating up. There's been massive amounts of strikes going on there. We talked about this last week. And these uh, continue to build as they go in and are removing very groups, terror groups, obviously, but the biggest one that keeps coming up is Islamic State, 
a.k.a. ISIS. Same thing's happening in Afghanistan. You see, folks, you've got to understand a few things about the Islamic State. They will not go away as easily as people seem to think they will. And it's just going to continue to creep and build and creep and build in that situation. And even if they were to go away, it still does not remove the problem. You know, it was touched on earlier. Well, why why didn't Saudi Arabia get implicated within September 11th? Yeah, that's that's the big question, folks. Because when you understand the root of Islamism, or as they like to call it in the media, Islamic terror extremists or whatever terminology they want to use, you have to understand Wahhabism and its role in all of this and how they spread that, for instance, going from Saudi Arabia and they planted mosques going down into India, into Pakistan, over into Afghanistan, spreading this ideology. It does end up being one of your primary roots for where all this came from. And you've got the more complex understanding of what's happening with, for instance, the Muslim Brotherhood, which you're going to see coming back up in the news again. Because it turns out that one of the people that was running against al-Sisi in Egypt, well, guess what? He was ex, and he's Muslim Brotherhood. That's why they claim the kibosh was put down on him. And then here's the thing that almost nobody ever mentions. Folks, you do realize that Turkey, Erdogan, that's all Muslim Brotherhood, folks. Nobody seems to ever mention that one. Ironic, isn't it? And, of course, we still have entertaining things happening in the stock market. Stocks take a U.S. inflation spike in stride and rally the dollars on the defensive. Yeah, so there's still plenty of volatility happening there. And some of the angel analysts that were warning what was about to happen last week said this ain't done yet. Uh, it's a bit of an understatement. I mean, folks, they keep they tell you all these shiny little pretty figures, but then they come right out and tell you, like, for instance, when the big reports came in this week, um, that retail sales were low, that inflation is spiking all over the place. Um, You think? I don't know, folks. I know what it costs to go down to the grocery store and come back with you're lucky if you can have one meal a day throughout a week with a family of two to three and your money's gone in two seconds. You didn't have to tell me inflation's been spiking. Another uh, little tidbit came out in the news this week from Reuters. Afghan Taliban says they want to end war through dialogue. Well, they've been trying to do this for quite some time. Then they turn around and escalate the situation all over again. I mean, folks, you have to understand that the first time around the ride, they threw in a president in Afghanistan. You know, the infamous, we have to push the uh, democratic system, which we've seen has worked so well across the rest of the world, on Afghanistan. First president was involved in all sorts of corruption. 
But it's rather interesting because he came out in the last couple of days in an interview and said something everybody needs to take note of because, well, he's telling the truth. Papa comes up of why is America there? Why have they built all these military bases all over the place? And he goes, look, he goes, don't you realize their interests really don't have a whole heck of a lot to do with Taliban or Al-Qaeda. As a matter of fact, they just kind of let them do what they want. Oh, it's a back door to every strategic spot they want to be in. Oh, you have Iran up above. Got the corridor going into Russia and those regions. What's next door? Oh, boy. Exactly. And what he stated was 100% correct. And we had warned before... Trump came out with his new Afghanistan policy to keep an eye on them moving tons of soldiers into that area. And if you see that, you better realize that they're planning on doing something concerning Iran. And boy, oh boy, did they come out of the woodwork in the last two days. McMaster, great big uh, conference is being held, stated blatantly, it's time to act on Iran. Nikki Haley releases a great big uh, opinion piece to uh, New York Times or New York Post, one of these things. Once again, bringing in the uh, ballistic missiles being shipped to Iran, even though we don't know exactly who supplied them, but they have Iran markings all over them. Okay, now you got two saber rattles. Once again, stating it's time to move on Iran. Better keep an eye on that circumstance, situation. Because, I mean, let's see, Iran, Russia, China. Oh, wait a minute. Aren't all those coming up in the news lately? How about the fact that we've moved two very large uh, warships into the Black Sea right there off Russia, which is setting off major alarms, even as NATO is holding one of their mega drills. You, know, you see, Russia's not stupid. They know what's coming. Kind of when you launch an attack by neo-Nazis taking over a nation, you know, the Ukraine, complete and absolute overthrow, that, mind you, was supported by the last administration. This is pretty much now to the point of common knowledge. Even as we were told by people on the ground in the Ukraine, Russia had to come in because the people were being slaughtered as they moved forces in there into that area. Now they're talking about a U.N. force coming in there. Sweden said they were going to jump on board. That sets off alarms to me. But then again, I know my history because what was that? One of those major years within the 2,345 countdown to the Mi'kmaq War in Israel in 1917, oh, yeah, that kind of deadpanned on. Why was that? Oh, that's right. The people that, the people of Rabat that lived in Ukraine and in Russia, well, they had to call in the, um, those, uh, you know, those Viking dudes to come in and help them because all they were doing is slaughtering one another. Yes, this is an absolute and complete replay of history. Same place, same people, comes up in the news yesterday. 
I knew what I was looking at when I saw it. And it's something to keep an eye on. Has fighting calmed down in that area? No, it has not. There's continual fighting that is happening between those two regions, and Donbass comes up on a continual basis. America has signed multiple bills into effect now that are giving Ukraine, giving weapons to the Ukrainian, as they call them, defensive weapons. Yes, rocket launchers are defensive. Mm-hmm. Have you ever, you know, rocket launcher, defensive? Yeah, they blow tanks up. That seems like an offensive weapon to me. Nonetheless, that situation is boiling. It's going to boil to a head real quick here at the rate things are going, and that's why tying this all the way back around and back around and back around. Again, we see Russia coming up on a continual basis in the news. I mean, how many of you people remember, you know, back in the 80s when this was the infamous um, Russia's bad, Russia's bad, we had the same thing happening again. And you, nobody sees the parallels. I mean, yesterday we had the report come out now that, what was it, 13, I believe, and three different entities, um, corporate entities, were involved in meddling in the United States election. And, of course, these people laughed and said, really, 13 of us were able to do some kind of damage. Give me a break. Now, folks, let's take out that little tally. Let's take that little document. Let's put that side by side with America's meddling in elections all over the world. Let's look at how much money was involved with that, the organizations. Now, let me see. One will be like a paragraph, the one that was just released, and then we'll basically have enough papers to fill an entire room as far as the amount of meddling that has happened with the United States in other affairs of other nations. And it just... I find it funny that that's all they fixate on in the media. It just keeps going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And yet nobody's paying attention to the important things. Like China. China's U.S. envoy says dangerous to advocate confrontation. You think? I would have to agree with him, but that's, you know, going back to that policy again. Don't you understand why North Korea has been such a major issue? I mean, you understand if an attack is launched on North Korea, what is that border? You got Russia on one side, you got China on the other. Think about the ramifications to those two nations alone. Let's see here. Another interesting one, brought up a little bit earlier. Yeah, it's, it's ironic when you see South America coming up in the news and you see the Middle East coming up in the news because your mind should automatically be going, Iran-Contra, Iran-Contra, because we see the same actions playing out again. History is repeating itself again. Columbia says increasing number of Venezuelans Involved in ELN attacks. There's attacks that are happening inside of Colombia. Yes, when Tillerson on top of it in the last couple of weeks, he went down to South America. He told everybody in broad daylight, oh, by the way, we're going to stage a coup in Venezuela. Folks, these are the same things that were happening during the Cold War. You always got to keep an eye on South America 
And on top of it, you'll notice that you have major situations happening in South America at the exact same time that you have major situations happening in the Middle East. And they seem to be tied together, and I would say probably for a very important reason. Yet to understand that, I think we got to go way back into ancient history. That's another topic for another time. Brought this up earlier. Egypt says 53 militants killed in week-long offensive. And here we come back to this again. Tillerson states Hezbollah's role is a threat to Lebanon. Once again, there is major things happening between Israel and Lebanon. I, this has been pretty much unending. I mean, a lot of people, I don't think, realize that the war between Israel and Lebanon, there was never any kind of treaty declared when all that happened back in the late 80s into the 90s. And that war, well, things still keep building. And there's more problems now with them grabbing the natural gas deposits that have been found off the coast there by Israel and Lebanon. Things are once again boiling up. See here. Cover that. We had a uh, major quake yesterday in Mexico, 7.2 magnitude. On top of it, it carried multiple, it damaged multiple homes. On top of it, a helicopter that was carrying major diplomats crashed. Okay, I'm just checking through these last few here. Ah, European Union. Folks, there's a lot of things happening in Europe, the European Union, Britain, all of that as we speak. Another very important area to keep an eye on. Yesterday, uh, Theresa May had pitched a EU security pact with Britain prior to the Brexit, which is supposed to take place now in 2019. And by the sounds of it, basically everybody's on board for them to still continue working together as far as security is concerned. We also had situations yesterday where many of the uh, Western states within the Balkans were warned that they need to get their border situations under control. We've had border situation with Montegero. If you paid attention, we had the Serbia-Kosovo situation happening. There's a lot of heat taking place within the Balkans. Macedonia naming issue has been going back and forth and back and forth. I don't even know where it's sitting with any point of resolution at this point in history. And, I mean, there's something, you know, that needs to be pointed out. Now, I've brought this up time and time again because Greek says we have the right to that even though the Greeks were not the Macedonians. In the first place, the Bible calls them Elephaz. As far as the Macedonians, the Hebrew refers to them as Javan. But do not forget the Diodachi. You know, we have the Ptolemies and Antigonus, the Seleucids, one very complicated mess. And the big fight is, is they state, well, you people aren't ethnic Macedonians. And I've dug into this deeply, folks. It is insanity. And the people that are in the quote-unquote former 
Yugoslavian Republic of Macedonia, yes, they have the rights to be calling themselves Macedonians. And if you look into their, basically, their things that have been passed down as customs, different legends, and all that, this all ties back into their lore. There's a whole lot of other things that go into this. There's been genetic testing done. Yes, but if people forgotten for Pete's sakes, after the defeat of Alexander the Great, as those generals were all duking it out for territory, they settled multiple people in different regions. They brought Macedonians even down as far as into Afghanistan, into Pakistan. You'll even find some of them up in Japan, for Pete's sakes. They had them in through China. They had them over in Egypt. They had them in Israel. They had them all over the place. So the naming dispute, I tell you, folks, people's hindsight only goes about two feet behind them, and they seem to forget about everything. There's no reason for this to be happening, but it is, and it continues. Now, this was the one I wanted to bring up. India and Iran signed a pact during Rouhani's visit on leasing court. Basically, what's happening here is India and Iran are setting up a port to bypass Pakistan, and they are furthering business ties between one another. We had accusations that Turkey was using chemical weapons in Syria. But, of course, everybody's going to look the other way on that. So if it happened, it's hard telling. Reports on the ground say it has since we're not there and since we don't have enough information on that circumstance yet, it's really hard to say one way or the other. It's been massive issues going on in Germany ever since Merkel was elected again. And basically fights back and forth and back and forth on forming a government. The German SPD, which is the Socialist Democrats, is having problems putting their government together. And Merkel's about ready to make a tiny minority government with her conservative branch. I brought up the West Balkans. I mentioned Ethiopia. I brought that up earlier about state of emergency will last for six months as the prime minister unexpectedly resigned. Maldives seeks foreign help to investigate arrested judges and their wealth envoy. Yes, they have Supreme Court judges in the Maldives that somehow magically have $2.5 million in their pockets. And that's just the beginning of that mess. But like I pointed out, look up one belt, one road, run Ethiopia, run Maldives. Now we know why it's happening. Brought this up, Israeli military strikes 18 Hamas targets in Gaza. And as I stated, U.S. official, now is the time to act against Iran. And this is what H.R. McMaster stated in this big uh, diplomatic meeting that's happening here over the weekend. Far-right extremists, or let's just call them what they are, Nazis marched in Sofia in Bulgaria to honor a pro-Nazi general. This has been a subject and a topic that has been coming up a lot in Bulgaria. I would definitely advise keeping an eye on that. 
UN Council Mo's condemning Iran over Yemen's Houthis getting missiles. Haven't we heard the same thing before a couple of months ago? Well, yes, they're bringing it back to the table again in the UN. Nikki Haley is once again going into the atypical repetition. And when they start doing that, when they start flooding the media with these things, folks, you better realize they're getting public opinion or propaganda. Which one was that? Public opinion? Oh, they're one and the same. They're pushing these things in this direction towards launching an attack on Iran. And you can see this definitely heating up. You can see it heating up even within the media coverage. So come sometime in the near future, something is probably going to happen in that area. little uh, interesting article that came out of uh, a Chinese... Uh, New site. Hold on a moment here while I get it to load. Uh, SCMP.com. Why China-Russia relations are warming up in the Arctic. And now they're planning on, between China and Russia, there were talks about this in the past. They're talking more seriously about, well, extending the Silk Road in that direction, too. Now, this one caught my attention. India and Iran to work for stability in Afghanistan. Now, wait a minute. Didn't I just bring up what's happening in Afghanistan with those American, all the American bases, what the reality of what they're doing there is? And then, lo and behold, this article pops out. India, Iran to work for stability in Afghanistan. Kind of makes you wonder, folks. Yeah, this could be getting real interesting real quickly. Let's see here. India and Pakistan are about to come to blows. Iran. Afghanistan. All these pieces are starting to lock themselves together and interconnect. And they're all moving in a complete worldwide basis now this is no longer going to be confined to specific points on the globe as they keep ramping up escalating tensions between Russia between China that adds in even more of the globe then we have on top of it all the situations happening in South America we have little tiny islands that hardly ever come up in the news. All of a sudden, major things are starting to happen there. For some reason, you would like to talk to some people. At least if I were to talk to some people around here, you would think that everything's all calm. There's nothing happening. Oh, I would say there is. That stated back over to you guys well Brian let's let's talk about this we're down to the two minute mark but we got 15 minutes in overdrive the New York Times yesterday ladies and gentlemen 
stated, well, they declared that this is a mass shooting generation. The article lists here that this all started with the Columbine High School shooting in 1999. And you know, ladies and gentlemen, let me give you a hint as to why this is happening. How many of you watch ABC? ABC has a program called The View. And uh, ABC did something this past week that has become an escalating trend in our pop culture over the past 10 years. In a segment this week, ABC uh, had about the vice president's faith uh, stated something that is shocking because she, well, the ABC... Mock Jesus. Now, the segment was about the vice president and his belief that he hears the voice of God. Now, the ABC network stated, and I quote, It is one thing to talk to Jesus. It's another thing when Jesus talks to you. That's called mental illness. If I'm not correct, hearing voices. And, of course, this was met with laughter and clap and clapping from the audience, ladies and gentlemen. How many of you watch ABC? This week, on one of their broadcasts, The View, they mocked Jesus. They said that if Jesus talks to you, you have a mental illness. And y'all wonder what's going on when the report was just released within the past month that birth control is not setting the birth rate in the United States anymore. It's abortion. I mean, I'm not sure now that New York Times had it right. I mean... I don't know if it's the mass shooting generation or the mass abortion generation. Clinton, your thoughts, your comments on uh, what's been discussed this program? Well, you know, if you if you turn on the news, it's been quiet, like like Brian said. I mean, they, they have you paying attention to the right hand as everything is going on in the left hand. I mean, Matthew talked about all these ministers that got arrested this last week. We have a generation of mass shootings. And this is just the beginning. Lawlessness will expand from this. I mean, that's not me saying this. That's scripture saying this. So we are headed towards a very, very dark period of time. 
everything is happening all at once. Everything is building all at once. And it's just a matter of time before it's unleashed. I mean, we're that close. We are that close. So, Matthew, I'll hand it back. That's all I have to say about that, man. Well, ladies and gentlemen, what can we say? What's been covered on just this one broadcast of the End Time Tribune should have you convinced that we're entering the finality of something. Something is terribly wrong. I mean, we just talked um, a few weeks ago about how America has troops in, I think it was 36 or 39 nations. Did you know that? And how much money do you think that's costing? And how many people in those countries do you think that we're murdering? I don't remember Senate or Congress giving the U.S. military authorization to enter uh, even one country, let alone over 30. You know, Ladies and gentlemen, you've got an awful lot of blood on your hands, and all of you are thinking you're laying on a bed of roses. I think you need to start checking figures and facts, and you're going to figure out that the red you're lying on is not rose petals. And... Like I said, this past week, a major network come out and mocked Jesus and said that if you were talking with Jesus, you had a mental illness. Why don't you know about this? This is really the biggest Christian news of the entire week. Besides all of the shepherds being arrested. Quentin, your closing comments, please. And don't forget to give out your websites and contact information as you see fit. You know, we are here to tell you the truth. I mean, you can believe it. That's your choice. But we are here to tell you the truth. And um hope that you, you realize what is going on. Um, to find me, you can find me on my website, uh, clintoncowatch.com. Or you can follow me on Twitter. Um, it's just at Clinton Co-Watch. And I, I live tweet during the show as well. So all the, the news broadcasts, all the news articles that we talk about, I, I put on Twitter. 
So thank you, everyone, for your support, and may God guide you on your journey. All right, Bri, your closing comments and websites and contact information as you see fit, please. Well, I mean, to touch on a little bit of what you just brought up there, I mean, concerning these uh, ministers being arrested in the last week, folks, I've been keeping an eye on this for the last bare minimum year. And there are a multitude of reports per week of ministers being arrested, be it for some sort of sexual scandal, for a sexual assault of minors. This has been happening on a continual basis, and it's pretty much out of control. Nobody mentions these things. They just ignore it, and it's been an ongoing nonstop, at least bare minimum. I'm seeing between three and seven a week for the last year. And folks, nobody seems to talk about the prophecies concerning the church, that they've all come to pass. And, you know, Clinton stated about lawlessness. I think we're at the threshold where it's, its escalation point, I think, is reaching its pinnacle. It's going to get worse. Yet at the same time, it's gotten out of control already as is. We keep going and going and going on these things. But can't because it's the end of the show. You can find me on overt attention at Twitter. That's where all of the news stories I bring up, I post all of them there. So if you want to see these stories, it's easiest to follow me on that. OvertAttentionShow.com, or you can contact me at thebandsoftime at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us. God bless. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Let us watch and pray, shall we? I think that is the best course of action at this point. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, God bless. Godspeed.